You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our show here today by calling in the spirits. And I call in today the ancestors, the dead. To help us with our topic today, which is how to be with death and dying. So I call out to all of those people who have gone before us, those who lived well, those who died well, those who understand this most important part of a human life. And so I call out to those ancestors and ask them to bring their legacy of wisdom and experience to us that we might understand in a good way how to live with death as an ally and to allow this wisdom to inform our life, to live in a way that the day of our death is a blessing, not something to be feared. So I call out to these ancestors who understand these teachings. I call out to these ancestors who worked with the dead and prepared them for their journey. I call out to all of those who know that we might learn and repair the systems that have gone long broken and ineffective. So I call out to you, ancestors, to be with us here today to help the living to learn and help the living to remember. And as the living, we stand here, circled round by our ancestors, and breathe into the body, feel the beat of the heart, feel the blood moving, and know yourself as one of the living. And reach down into the very center of the earth to that most ancient of all ancestors, she who gives us a home, she who gives us a place and gives us life. So we call out to the earth to be with us here today and may all the wisdom of manifestation flow from her up into our bodies. We give thanks for belonging. Thanks for the beauty of life all around us and its great diversity. Thanks for connection and interconnection of this great web of life. And thanks for the truth of this dreaming that we are part of that great web. And may we use that connection to come into right relationship with ourselves. Right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And may we come to understand from the earth what it truly means to be here in a good way with ourselves and others, and in particular the non-human beings. So we give thanks to the earth and ask the earth's energy to rise up and infuse us like the refreshing, pure energy that rises up from the earth like a spring of fresh water. We call the energy of the earth up into our bodies, through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and send our energy infused with the energy of the earth all the way up through all the layers of the sky, all the way up to the very highest power of the universe, And by whatever name you call that energy, call it down. We draw in the energy of above, calling in protection and blessing and inspiration, generosity and benevolence into our circle. We call in this energy that we might recognize around us the mentors to guide us in our life, that we might recognize the champions willing to carry just a bit of our burden, that we might truly do what we have come here to do for ourselves. So we call out this energy to this energy to be with us here today and inspire us to find within ourselves true yang energies, true expressions of ourself in the world and to know that we are protected in that. So as we draw the energy of the sky above down into our bodies where it can mix and merge and mingle with the energy of the earth and that great dance of the Tao, the great dance of life within us. We invite these energies to come into the exact perfect blend for us here today that we might go forward in a good way. And with these energies swirling around within us, the energy of the earth and the energy of the sky, we call out to the energy of the heart to awaken. May the spirit of the heart be with us here today and open up that great crucible in the heart that can hold the powerful transforming forces of our deep, deep desire and passion and longing for our soul's true purpose. And may these energies rise up from the lower chakras without censorship or uh, limitation. 
And may these energies rise into the heart and call down the energies from the mind and above. Call in the crystal clear energies of the head and let them come into the heart with the energies of the body and mix and merge and mingle and give birth to our awareness of why we are here. And may the heart give us courage to live that unique genius and to bring our gifts to the world. So we give thanks to the ancestors, the earth and the sky and the heart for being with us here today. May what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and may all proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I give thanks to Josh and Malama and Deborah and all of the listeners who have donated to the show. Your money helps to keep this show on the air. And if this show is meaningful to you in any way, be shamanic. If you are moved in the heart in any way, even to fury, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you have been moved in the heart and it is shamanic. It is the essence of shamanic teachings to allow your actions in life to be moved by your heart. And so if your heart has been moved by the show in any way, please move into action if you can and donate to the show in some way. Donate your great ideas for shows. Speak to others about the show. Send your questions in to Christina at lastmaskcenter.org about the show. And if you can, donate financially. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button, and offer any amount, large or small. And if you don't want to donate via the internet, but you would like to donate, please feel free to just email me, and I would be more than happy to give you a mailing address. So I give thanks to all of you that are helping to keep the show alive and vital and valuable. And let's just take a moment and give thanks to Co-Creator Network and all of the technology that allows the show to be available worldwide to anyone who is able to get themselves to a computer. So give thanks for that wonder of connection. And the way this might actually allow all of us to truly rise up and do what it is that we are called to do in this life. So as I said today, our show is about um, shamanic healing and death and dying. And last night in my dreams, the spirits finally got through my thick head and rewrote the show. (laughs) Actually, they didn't rewrite the show. They just changed my mind. And so I've been busily trying to rewrite the show. And I'll do my best today to bring in what the spirits wanted to say today. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about shamanic healing and dealing with death and dying. And you could actually go listen to a whole lot of other people do that as well. And that's not really what spirit wants from this show here today. That's what I come to understand here this morning. Um, And the show is live today. So if you'd like to call in, you can call 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Or email me with your questions at Christina at lastmasscenter.org. So we are all alive and well and ready to hear from you because we are the living. (laughs) And yet, we are gathered here today to talk about death. So the most important thing for us to come to terms with today to truly understand death and dying from a shamanic perspective, which is not necessarily the correct perspective, but you're here listening about shamanism. So this is the shamanic perspective. So what's important for us to come to terms with here is that our relationship with death trumps all other relationships. Death doesn't care who you loved, doesn't care about your gender or your sexual preference or your gender identification or any of that. Death only cares that you loved. Not who, not how, but that you loved. Death doesn't care what name you call God or even if you call on God. Everyone dies. Just the same, no matter their religion. At death, whether or not you have the capacity for faith matters. Not really what you have faith in. Everyone dies. Every living person has some relationship with death. And one way or another, everyone will die. And what I see working shamanically with dying and with the dead and with death is that everyone dies pretty much the same. Because this big relationship, this big life or death relationship 
is pretty much bigger than any belief that we would carry in our mind about it. It trumps everything. We will all die. And right now, we are living. And this is really important to understand. I know I'm stating the absolute and profound obvious. But this is really important to understand. Why do we experience soul loss? We experience soul loss really for only one reason. Because for any various assortment of circumstances, in that moment, we are afraid we are truly going to die. Either physically, which would be traditional soul loss caused through some kind of trauma or abuse. Or we're afraid we're going to die emotionally. If I feel this one more time, one more day of this, I'm going to die. Or our ideas, our beliefs, our dreams. If I stay in this relationship one more moment, my dreams will die here on the vine. Or spiritually, we feel crushed. We feel we're going to die spiritually. That's what causes soul loss. Yes, I know there's a whole bunch of other detailed circumstances. But the bottom line is at the very essence, the only thing that truly causes soul loss is death, a fear of death, right? And so soul loss is how we deal with that. And so this relationship between life and death, the fact that we will die is the trump card. It is the thing that can cause something as profoundly serious in our life as soul loss. So death matters. Death matters more than your religious beliefs, than your not your belief there is no God. Any ideas you hold in your head are just simply smaller than the fact, the living, breathing fact of life and death. And this is actually the message that Spirit wanted to convey here today as we talk about life and death and living and dying and dying well, ultimately, is that death How you die, your relationship with death is absolutely unavoidable and it matters. Your relationship with death matters profoundly. Some people say that you will experience what you believe you will experience when you die. I haven't found that to be true. I have found that a person's beliefs don't matter very much anymore when they don't have a brain that's believing them. And when you're dead and you don't have a body, you don't have a brain. So the relationship between life and death exists on a level far beyond our beliefs. And yet, how we live is affected by our beliefs. And how we live affects profoundly the quality of our death. So don't, understand, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that what we believe doesn't matter in terms of the quality of our life or our death or the passage after death. But I am saying that what you believe religiously, whether you're baptized or not, whether you're confirmed or not, whether you're bat mitzvah or not, all of these things, they're just human beings going through the motions of their ceremonies and their traditions and possibly their rituals. Death doesn't care. Death is here already and will be there at the end, regardless of your attitudes about your life, God, death, any of it. Death doesn't care. So the fact that I see really working with dying people, with death in the moment of death and with the dead which is a lot of the ancestral healing is simply working with the dead is the fact that we will die the fact that we will die is not touched by our beliefs our religions or our spiritual practices all that lives dies and all that dies lives all that lives dies and From a shamanic perspective, all that dies lives again. That there is a great cycling and recycling of energy. And that this is the deeper nature of our existence. Not religious beliefs, not who we call God, and certainly not fighting over who we call God. 
but that the energy is cycling and recycling through life and death and that death is the opening to life always so to try to defeat death like Voldemort and many other misguided souls who actually lived um, is, is misguided it stems from an attachment to this life and as we know attachment to any life but attachment to life will distort that life thoroughly and you will not live it and to try to defeat death is not just impossible but is purposeless Death is the greatest ally that life has. They are each other's true equals, true love, and true partners, life and death. Like, neither one of them has anything else that is anywhere near its equal. They are the great lovers, life and death. And there is nothing that inspires a human to more passion and commitment and love and inspiration or care of something that is so precious like life. Nothing inspires us more to live than knowing we'll die tomorrow. So if we were actually going to die tomorrow, what if that was true? What if that was not just the metaphor to inspire us to look accurately at our life and our energy and what we're doing and why we are here and get with the program? What if we were actually going to die tomorrow? What if death was right here next to us, whispering in our ear, it's time. It's time, loved one. It is time. We must go. What if death was right here? What do we need to know? First, It's a little sidebar here. Death is a transition from our journey in the land of the living, which we can only walk with a body, to our journey in the land of the dead, which we can only walk without a body. Now, while it is true that the shaman travels between these realms in the ordinary course of a day's work, the shaman does not stay in the land of the dead. She only visits to attend to business or to set things right that have gone sideways. So working with the dead is very different from working with the living. Now, I know that seems obvious. Working with the dead is very, very different energetically than working with the living. But there are, I read a lot out there of what people are putting out on the internet about working with the dead. And there's a whole lot of people that don't get that it's any different. So any practitioner who doesn't notice, isn't paying attention, or doesn't really deeply understand what they're doing working with the dead. You know, we're very, very intuitive creatures, humans. Hugely intuitive. It's not that hard to tune in to what's going on. It's really, really challenging to open our minds up enough beyond all of our human silly stories to get a grip on what is going on in a bigger picture and to begin to move and work with souls in that larger picture. That's challenging. And that's not what you're learning in your weekend workshops. And so it's really important as a practitioner working with the dead and the dying to recognize that working with the living and working with the dead and working with the dying are very different propositions. So it's important for us then as the living to understand that it is not good for the living to be too long with the dead. And that is part of the challenge of working with the dead as a practitioner is it's hard on us as the living to do that work. It's different than working with the living. So it's not good for the living to be too long with the dead. And it's not good for the dead to hang around the living. And it's really, really not good for the living to have the dead hanging around the living. And this was a very challenging piece when I was in Manhattan after September 11th because so many people um, 
had so suddenly lost loved ones in a way that seemed untimely. And there were many, many people um, not anywhere near ready to let go of their loved ones or their loved ones ready to let go of them. And this is a problem at death. And because there were so many people having a similar experience, it started to create a field in Manhattan that reinforced that experience. So it made letting go even more challenging. And so, but what I saw in this, and this is very hard because, of course, people who are grieving the loss of a loved one are the bereaved. And you have to be very careful and tender and, and, and honest with the bereaved. It's a very, very vulnerable, uh, excruciatingly painful place. And you have to be generous and careful working with the bereaved of the dead, connected to the dead, whatever, however that however you would say that correctly. Anyway, the challenge that I had, though, as a shamanic practitioner was suffering or or seeing how much suffering was created by the ignorance of the living and the idea in the living that it was their right to hang on to their dead loved one and that there was no reason they shouldn't be able to do that, which stems purely out of ignorance. I don't mean that in a mean way. But out of our own contemporary person's American ignorance about what needs to happen at death for all the energies to go into their right place so that our loved ones can return to us as ancestral helping spirits. And that is the only healthy way for the living and the dead, for the ancestors to return to us, to connect with us, is as ancestral helping spirits. And they have to complete their journey to the land of the dead to be able to become ancestral helping spirits and come back to us in that capacity. And this is a deep understanding in shamanic cultures that is really missing today in in our contemporary world, that our attachment to the dead and the dead's attachment to us stops that process from happening. And puts both the living and the dead in a horribly unhealthy and in long-term very damaging energetically situation. And so this was one of the hardest things immediately after September 11th with all these people, all the bereaved dealing with all of this death and loss in their life is they simply wanted to hang on. And it didn't matter. There was no amount of reasoning once someone is bereaved that's going to help them learn something they don't already know. In shamanic cultures, the reason it works is because the person understands what's supposed to be happening. Then they lose the loved one. They go into grief. Now they're, bere- they're the bereaved and they're a little crazy in that state. We all are. And they don't want to do whatever they want to do. But underneath it all, they understand what needs to happen and why. The problem with working with contemporary people is underneath it all, they don't understand what needs to happen and why. And so it's very hard to get the bereaved to do what is truly best for themselves and will truly allow their healing process to go forward. Because there's only one path. This is, this is what I mean by it. it does not matter what you believe or what religion you're part of or whatever. Because the dynamic between life and death is written in energy at such a high and profound level that it it is a system that we all exist in. None of us can opt out and none of us can change it by the fervor of our beliefs. It is what it is. And what it is is this. There is a land of the living and there is a land of the dead and they need to stay separate. Absolutely and completely separate. There are places in between where important things need to happen, but that ultimately, if you want your loved ones with you, there is one way they can do that in a good way for you and for them, which is to let them go and let them to complete their journey and to come back to you as an ancestral helping spirit. So keep in mind, fundamental shamanic understanding about the living and the dead is that it's not good for either one of them to hang out together until the dead are returning as ancestral helping spirits period and there's 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 lots of studies actually today that show that this is true 
It's just people don't know how to interpret those studies because we culturally in America don't deal well with the dead. We don't want to even talk about death. We don't want to understand it. And there's far too much religious fervor around it for us to get a grip on what's really going on. So it really doesn't matter what you believe about life or death. Energetically and functionally, it is still the same for every person, no matter their religion. Once our body ceases, so technically, technical death, once our body ceases, our spirit is freed. And your right to be in the land of the living ceases, period. So once your body's done and you are freed into spirit, your right to be here is over. Absolutely. Absolutely and completely. And that is a really important thing to understand. The other side of that is, for those of you that are dealing with dead ghosts in your home and things like that is, you need to understand that they have no right to be there. Now, there may be unresolved issues that it would be compassionate to help them resolve. But the bottom line is, if you have no body, you don't get to be here until you can come back as an ancestral helping spirit. Because it's not good for the wholeness of the energy. It's not that we um, are so special as the living. It's just we're corralled here in the land of the living for a reason. And they're corralled there in the land of the dead for a reason. And that that system is much bigger than us and our beliefs. So you've left your body. You're dead. Your body's done. You've left your body. Your right to be here has ceased. There is a time of completion and grace. It's usually about four days. Different cultures interpret it a little bit differently. But primarily, it averages out to about four days. And during this time, the newly freed spirit can visit people, places, and things that they have loved if they need to. However, if they are complete with their life, which would be ideal, a spirit can leave directly. They don't necessarily hang around for that time. But there is a grace period of time, usually of four days, where it's fairly easy and acceptable for things to happen around the living and the dead. Now, during this time, if you're the dead, if you're the spirit now, your helping spirits come. As your body ceases and you're released into spirit, your helping spirits will come to you, whether you believe in them or not. But they come as companions and guides to help you on the journey from this land of the living that people are usually somewhat attached to into a place between the worlds. Now, during this time, this little four-day period, there are these absolutely exquisite spirits that emerge from the spirit world. These are not spirits that hang out with us. They are spirits that facilitate the passage of death, the, 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 the journey from the land of the living to the land of the dead. These spirits are unbelievably, unspeakably beautiful, compassionate, loving. That We, we don't even have words because we... It's amazing. They're incredible to be in the presence of. They are absolutely awesome. They are not available forever. That's why the four days are so important because that is the time that the spirit, the invisible world, in its understanding of how critically important it is to get the dead over to the land of the living, extend this exquisite hand to us, the newly dead, to help us make sure we make this journey It's an incredible gift of grace. And yet if we are unresolved in our life and hang around here trying frantically to do what we didn't have the balls, frankly, or the clarity or the commitment or the courage to do as the living, we will miss that absolutely gorgeous opportunity to be truly held in grace And guided on the journey from here all the way to the land of the dead. That that spirit is so generous and it is there for us. But the, the greater energetic system of things can't extend that generosity out to someone who's not grasping it forever. I mean, 
come on, people, tick, tick, tick. You got to hit your mark and do what needs to be done. And if you are unresolved in your life, indebted to people, indebted to spirit, angry about things, um, frustrated that you lived an entire life yet again and did nothing relative to your soul's purpose, you are not going to get out of here in four days. And you are going to miss that golden opportunity to simply be once again in the hands of these absolutely exquisite beings that escort us from here on our journey. So I didn't really understand about these beings until I was working uh, in New York after September 11th. But I've told that story before. I think I'm just going to continue on. But they are absolutely unbelievable. And they are not available forever. And that was the clear message that they communicated to me. Is that we are here. But we cannot be here forever for everyone. That there is a window of opportunity. And that it is important that people learn to die in a way that they can seize that opportunity. And so these spirits are mostly connected, uh, strongest for us in this place kind of between the worlds. And I have to say, you know, um, the movie, the Clint Eastwood movie Hereafter didn't really get very good press. Uh, Matt Damon stars in it, which is unfortunate because it's an excruciatingly accurate movie about this place between the worlds, this sort of limbo place where things are, are – it's a place where things can get resolved. And it's unfortunate that the movie, which was a great movie, didn't get better press because it was really accurate. And, and every review that I read was simply – they dismissed the movie because they they felt the idea that there was this hereafter place was some kind of conceit that it was you know you had to buy into this to believe this movie so this movie was just dumb and i'm sitting here thinking god we are so ignorant as contemporary people that that place is real it always has been it will be as long as there are humans that need it as they're dying to cross over it's absolutely real no leap or no no stretch to believe in it and it's really unfortunate that we are so ignorant that we're missing a storyteller who's willing to tell us and help us understand what do we need to know at death and at the death of our loved ones to be able to live and love and and resolve and reconcile and move on it's truly unfortunate it was a profound ignorance in our culture about this so There is this place between the worlds, and it's described in many different ways by many different cultures, and I don't think the details of it are important. What's important, what what I'm trying to express from the dreams I had last night from Spirit is that Spirit was really trying to lift this conversation out of ideas and beliefs and help us to see the function, the process, the movement of energy, and what choices can we make to engage with that. And so there is this place between the worlds. You know, screw those critics. There is this place between the worlds. Go rent the movie. It's called The Hereafter. It's a beautiful movie about someone, because of their own experience with death as a child, has this sort of annoyingly open doorway to that place and because of that can work as a psychic for people to contact their recently dead and how hard that is to do that in a culture full of ignorant people is kind of what the movie's about but anyway moving along there is this place and the newly freed spirit has the opportunity in this place to reconcile their life And understand that in this place, you will now see, feel, experience the full-on ramifications of the choices made, the choices not made, how everything connected in with everything else, how everything is connected to everything, everything does affect everything, and how your choices to do things and to not do things impacted other things. And at that point, you have that opportunity then to reconcile and make peace with yourself about your choices. Now, you don't have the opportunity to change anything. 
except how you carry your own attitude about yourself relative to what you have done with your life. And not only is this an opportunity, it is a necessity. If you cannot come to terms with the larger ramifications of the choices you have made in your life, then you cannot continue in the process. That you will be stuck there until you do reconcile your life. And if you have lived your entire life without a concern at all for how you've reconciled your debts to other people, your debts to the spirit world, your... Um, how you've ended relationships, how you've been in relationships, what you've done with your work. Have you been greedy? Have you been generous? What have you done with your life? If you have not spent a moment in self-reflection, if you not, have not spent a moment trying to reconcile things, there's an awful lot to reconcile at the end. And it's very challenging to face the larger ramifications of all that you have done as you come to understand the interconnectedness of things and the effect of your choices of what you did and what you didn't do when you have absolutely no opportunity anymore to make things right. The body is a beautiful thing, people. So is free will. Use it while you have it. It is very, very hard to reconcile an entire life when you have no possibility anymore to make it different, to make amends, to, re, to go say, I am sorry, to go say, please, would you help me? Would you let me help you? Thank you for that amazing gift you gave me by being the only person who would listen to me when I was 12 years old. Please, thank you, and I'm sorry. It's all it takes to reconcile life. You don't need big spiritual teachings, big dramatic. You don't even need this incredible mass industry of self-help. It is really simple to live well and to live in the right way because we all learned it from our parents. Please, thank you. I am so truly sorry. And if you haven't bothered to do that or you think it's not manly to apologize, you can't ever admit failure or blah, 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 or you're so involved in experiencing your life entirely codependently that you can't even begin to understand what you need to say, please, thank you, and I'm sorry for, then it is going to be a really long time at the result reconciling your life place. And it is very painful to look at all those moments you could have set right so easily but you cannot do it now because you have no body and you have no free will. So as you do succeed, let's say you do succeed in reconciling your life. From this place, you get to move on to a place that's described in many, many ways in many cultures and traditions. It is the place that the newly dead are handed off in some sense to the spirit realm fully. So people are greeted by dead ones that they love or ancestors or the spirits and, and then the spirits that have assisted them, their own helping spirits and those gorgeous benevolent transition spirits are released and they sort of go back where they go. And this is usually also where the shamans stop their process. Usually once a soul is delivered to this place, that our job is done and the spirit world essentially takes over. This is also the white light place, sort of its contemporary common place. And you cannot get through this place if it is not your time. And this is how we end up with those amazing stories from people that have had near-death experiences. It's not your time. You can't get through. You also cannot get through this place if you have not truly reconciled your life. And I've actually watched several, a handful of spirits on different occasions over the last 20 years try. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're amazing. Even, even dead, we are still can be amazingly arrogant. Anyway, I've watched spirits try. It's not pretty. What happens to that 
beautiful, benevolent, gracious, welcoming, white light place filled with your dead loved ones and all of this actual celebration. It's a very quiet celebration, but it's a celebration. All of that goes exactly opposite when someone tries to get through that gate, essentially, without reconciling their life. So don't even pretend. There's no possibility. We, there isn't a human alive who can do that. And that's not a dare, people. It's just our understanding. Every single one of us is just a tiny little soul in this great wheel. And we didn't invent the wheel. None of us lives at that level of these profound beings of life and death or profound energies of life and death. And they invented this. You know, we're the ones that have to figure out how to make it work. And you cannot get through here until you have reconciled your life. And you must get through here to get to the land of the dead. Now, technically, for many different reasons, shamans do actually go beyond this place to the land of the dead in the service of the living or in the service of the land or whatever land is living as well. So, so shamans do go to the, beyond this place to the land of the dead. Um, however, this usually occurs when things have gone badly wrong. Um, and perhaps that issue is an entirely different show. Why is it that shamans have to go to the land of the dead? And they do. Um, But it's not really important for today. What is important is that death, what is important about death, is that to be able to leave this realm, this realm of the living, with all of its pleasures and attachments, and to go all the way on that journey to the land of the dead, is that we must be capable of reconciling our life completely given full understanding of the ramifications of every choice that we have made. And so our ability to love ourself, our ability to have compassion for ourself, our ability to forgive ourselves our faults, our ability to be in right relationship with ourself as another human and another spirit here on the planet is best cultivated while you are living. And to bring that capacity with you when you die. So that when you are faced with the full knowledge of what you have wrought with your life and your choices, you can find some peace with that. So what do we need to know? So obviously, what we need to understand about death first is that death is just a point between two processes. One process is the process first of life, which at some point turns into the process of dying. And so dying is the approach to death. And we're approaching death every day. And living and dying don't actually have to be different. Right? Um, So one of the reasons they've become profoundly different for contemporary people is that we are not tending our soul well in our living. We are living in a state of soul loss. And so as we come over the bend here and begin to move towards death, we're not celebrating a rich life lived well. We're still wondering what the hell happened and where did my soul parts go? And and we're coming into death, which is a challenging and energetically challenging process, leaking like sieves unable to contain enough energy to reconcile the most challenging things in our life we have not yet reconciled. So every moment of soul loss is an unreconciled life issue. And so once again, this process of the approach to death called living or dying, depending on your perspective, all of these activities are best done then when you have a body and free will, when you have the power to affect change. It is much harder to reconcile things once you are free of that body and can no longer do anything other than accept the bigger picture of what is. The other thing about death is there's not only the approach to death called living or dying, depending on your perspective, but there's the departure from death. And ideally, what we want is to be so 
clear within ourselves that we have done our best to live the reason we've come into this life. We have done our best to be good in the sense of saying please and thank you and I'm sorry. And that we have treated others as we wished we would be treated ourselves. And that we have done our best to bring laughter and joy and care and compassion and um, humanity to life and to human and non-human beings. We don't have to be famous. We don't have to have made a lot of money. We don't have to have had a lot of kids or not had kids. You know, none of those things matter at that point. It's really the quality of how we have lived. And if we have done that, death is an opportunity to simply walk out. There are no attachments. Everything is reconciled. There are no debts. There is no longing for a life unlived. There are no dreams unattended. There is no reason. We lived well. We enjoyed it. It felt great. Some things hurt like hell. And we are at peace with ourselves and the life we have lived. And death comes. We let that gorgeous, beautiful creature of our body go. And we say thank you. And we extend ourselves out into the energy of our helping spirits and those gorgeous spirits that help us in this transition. And we've already reconciled our life. We blast right through that stage into the place where we're handed over to spirit. And before we know it, there we are in the land of the dead, ready to allow the part of ourself returns that can return to our loved ones to return as a helping spirit. There is no reason every single human being could not die in that way. We all have the capacity for that because we have free will. It doesn't matter the circumstances of our life or, or the huge truckload of bad decisions we've made up until this point in time. As long as we are living, we have the capacity to reconcile our life now so that that journey after death is easy. If we haven't, then that journey after death becomes challenging. Because we are attached to the living and the living are attached to us. We are unresolved. We are in debt to our helping spirits because we didn't pay any attention to them. We kept asking for help and thrashing around in our life and never listened, never did anything with the energy that they gave us. And so that transition after death can be very complex. And for many, and this is the great, one of the great epidemics of contemporary time in the Western world, is an epidemic of dead people hanging around that didn't go anywhere after they died. They're ghosts. They're here. There's still many of them trying to continue to do exactly what they did when they were alive. And so the first thing we need to understand is that death, there's a process of coming to death and the process of departure from death. And that how we live, how we choose to live profoundly affects our experience of that. So, how do we sit? Well, so, what is important? Reconciliation of our life, completion. To accept that what we are not going to complete in our life, we need to let go. And that is part of, shamanically speaking, that's part of our understanding about dreams and dreaming. How dreams affect our life. Um, letting go of the dreams that we are not going to choose to put energy into focusing on the dreams that we are and becoming conscious and clear about that and ultimately paying our debts. And I mean that in all realms, as, uh, financially as well as spiritually, that these are important in how we live, that there, that there is a quality of integrity and impeccability in how we choose to live in our life and that this will affect um, how we die and our ability to go on that journey after death. So how do we sit then with the dying? And this is a big challenge because usually, well, there's two, two reasons we would be sitting with the dying, basically. Well, three. One would be pure circumstance. Okay, let's, that's small. So let's talk about the two main reasons. One, you love them. They are a loved one. You are sitting with the dying because they are a loved one, which may be very complex if they're a loved one you don't love very much because of how they treated you. Okay. The other reason you would be sitting with the dying is because you work in hospice and you work with the dying. But 
if that's the case, you probably don't even need to listen to this show because you already know all this. The confusion that happens when we sit with a loved one, when, when we're trying to be with a loved one who is dying, is that as they face death, all of our unresolved issues with that person are triggered. And we are now suddenly trying to finish our unresolved business with the person who is dying. And that simply agitates the person who is dying. And what we need to understand as the living is that if we can, is that we have time to resolve things because we are alive, because we have the power of free will. We have time to resolve things. The dying don't. And so our task when we sit with the dying is to create space and facilitate their reconciliation of their life. So if your mother, who is dying, talks about having spent the day with her girlfriend, Susie Bell, don't try to bring her back to reality and explain to her why she can't have spent the day with Susie Bell because Susie Bell's dead and has been dead for 40 years, right? There is something of that time and in that relationship that your mother is trying to reconcile. Talk with her about it. Let her tell you the story. Find out what it was. Allow, allow the dying to reconcile what they need to reconcile. You can do your work after. If you can do both, great. But one of the challenges we have when we sit with our loved ones is we bring our unfinished business to try to finish it before they die. We can finish it after they die. What they need is the support in finishing their unfinished business. So that's really the most important thing to understand in sitting with the dying is that they need to reconcile their life. For those who are wanting to, they could be taught to journey. And there's many ways to teach people to journey without too much shamanic language. But if a person is learning to come and go with ease, learning that they have spirit help, learning that there is another realm that doesn't have to be scary, it does a lot to ease a person's fear about the journey on the other side. Another thing a shamanic healer can bring at the time of death, uh, to be, can bring to the dying, is simply an understanding, is to talk with them and find out what their fears are and help them understand what this journey is that they're about to go on and what they need to pay attention to. And to ultimately, um, back to the psychopomp aspect of shamanic work, is to commit to be there with them. That many of my extended family, um, of, of my parents' generation, have been dying over the last handful of years. And sometimes I get called in to help them. And, and you know, they're typical contemporary people they're not bad people but they're unresolved there are things they regret and since many are dying in a state of soul loss they don't have the energy to deal with many of these things and the soul loss itself is the problem and so there's a lot that can be brought to ease the process of dying and help a person reconcile their life help them to understand how to go which is teaching them to journey essentially but also helping them to understand what is ahead of them and what the possibilities are and most fundamental most important is the understanding that the only way to continue to help your loved ones after you are gone is to leave and for the loved ones to understand the only way your loved one can come back and be with you for eternity is to let them go let them go all the way to the land of the dead. Let spirit help them get where they need to go and to go there fearlessly and come back as an ancestral helping spirit if you want to be with those that you love. And our ancestors as helping spirits can be with us forever, right? So there was one other thing I was going to say here. Oh, in ending, in closing. I did have a question from a listener about this, which is kind of what inspired the show. And the show was really written around shamanic healing and death and dying. And then I had all those dreams last night and changed everything. But I do want to come back to her question. And her question was that she'd been talking with a friend who who was a shamanic practitioner or learning to be or something. And um, during the discussion... 
of soul retrieval recently, a friend claimed her teacher had seemed to say that one would not want to do soul retrieval with people at the end of their lives when they are trying to get out of this world. Um, that is at odds with what my friend had heard. And so she was wanting some clarification in that. Well, I would hope that it is clear from what I've been talking about today that there is work to be done on the other side of death, that it is not necessarily an easy transition and that our dying is best, cleanest, most easily done whole and resolved with our life. And our resolution around our life is most effective when we still have a life, when we can still make changes with the power of our free will. And so I would completely disagree with what the woman was saying, and I, and I align with my friend, the understanding that you would want to bring people's soul parts back at the end. There's not going to be a whole lot of work around in integration, but that people need to be as whole as possible. And every soul part retrieved is potentially support for that person reconciling one of the worst, hardest, most unresolved moments of their life. And so absolutely bringing people's soul parts back, if that is a welcome thing to the dying, is critically important at death. We want a person at the moment of their death to be as whole spiritually as possible. And understand this. This is a huge misunderstanding. When you die, it is not a do-over. Your soul parts don't all come floating back as if nothing was wrong. Everything doesn't come together with happy bunnies and angels and you get whisked off because you got accepted into somebody's religion. It doesn't work that way. You end your life with the sum total of the choices you have made and what that has wrought in your life and what your relationship with spirit is because of those choices. And your wholeness, your relationship with your soul's purpose, your sense of completeness about why you are here is entirely rests on those decisions and your willingness to heal. And so at the end of life, there are many things a shamanic healer can do to help people in that process. But one of the main things is to bring back their soul parts so that they can go into the next time of transition with all of their energy whole and focused on that journey to be reconciled for the pain of their past in this life and able to let go and move on. Think of it this way. What if you lost the soul part that carried your true passion for your soul's purpose? And now you're dying. You're slipping out of your body and leaving this world and knowing because the profound knowing is starting to pour in of all how everything connected to everything and the great understanding of the depths of your choices. And all you can think about is how you wish you had been able to find that passion to do what you had been here to do. Yes, bringing that soul part back even at the end of that person's life before they leave is certainly wiser than not. So at least they could go holding the hand of the part of themselves that had that passion and they could make an agreement at that moment with their soul that the next time they come, they will not forsake their purpose or their passion or their honest human desire to bring their gifts to the world. So thank you everyone for listening here today. I want to give thanks to the ancestors who, who jumped me last night in my sleep and gave this show a different shape. I want to give thanks to the ancestors that we've called in here today for the earth below and the sky above, for the heart that unites us all. I invite you all to join us next week as my friend and colleague Lenore Norgard will come. And she's another shamanic practitioner who specializes in shamanism, shamanic activism, shamanism and activism. And we're going to talk about Occupy Wall Street and the possibilities, the potential, the hazards, and how we might use shamanic skills to more skillfully navigate this opportunity and perhaps bring things into fruition. So that's next week. I hope you all will join me. Have a great week. Thank you.